Welcome to America the Bazaar. I'm your host, Jordan Rausch. And I'm Jeremy. And this is a weekly history podcast that deep dives into all the stories that made America into the beautiful weirdo she is today. Yes. And if you didn't notice, Jeremy downloaded a soundboard app for, <laughs> on his phone. So what he's been talking about for a while now. <laughs> he finally has it. Yep. We'll see how it goes. I like to think there's like a few moments in history where like kind of all of our stories revolve around. Mm-hmm. Like we've mentioned before, there's usually Hitler. Hitler pops up in a lot of these stories. Yeah, World War Two. World War Two, Civil War. Civil War. The Revolutionary War. Right. And Prohibition. And Prohibition. So we're back to another Prohibition story. Yes. <laughs> so if you like hearing Those about... Those ones are always so good. Yeah. Just so... Just full of drama. Yeah, if you like to hear stories about people drinking when they're not allowed to be drinking, these are the stories for you. Yes, they are. So before we get into it, I have presidential trivia. Mm-hmm. Which president was the first president to see the Pacific Ocean? The Pacific Ocean. Yes. Oh, man. Now I'm trying to remember when the Louisiana Purchase happened. And then based my timeline off of that a few presidents later. Yeah. Oh, God. Post-Civil War. You think so? I th- <laughs> No, now that you're saying that, I don't know. Well, the answer will be at the end of this episode, so stay tuned. Okay, all right. So to get into our prohibition story for this week. Mm-hmm. With beer in hand. Yes. Well, you know, <laughs> since it's October, I actually thought about doing like a scary story mm-hmm. um, for all of the episodes this month and doing them with the lights turned off with me with only a flashlight. But I just said I'll just keep that for the Halloween episode. Okay. And I well, I appreciate you... that because you know how I like scary stories. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jeremy's not a big uh, scary yeah. Movie, scary story, scary no. anything kind of no. dude. You know what's a scary story? What? Running out of ketchup. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's why you're a dad. <laughs> uh, Some one-liners like an that. Unmown, an unmowed lawn. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The trash didn't get put out in time. Oh no! <laughs> Enough to make any any dad shake in their boots. Yes. All right. <laughs> and then the trash wasn't put out. On next week's unsolved mysteries. <laughs> okay. Uh. On Christmas Eve, 1926. A man stumbled into the emergency room of a New York City hospital, telling the nurses that Santa Claus was chasing him with a baseball bat. Well, that's pretty spooky. (laughs) Well, there was no Santa Claus. The man was obviously hallucinating, but he died before the hospital staff could help him. His death was ruled as the result of alcohol poisoning. By Christmas night that year, over 60 people died of alcohol poisoning in that same hospital, and another 23 mm. in the two days following Christmas. Bad and, batch of hooch. And 89 were hospitalized. 
The patients were all hallucinating, vomiting, and or blinded. (laughs) This was during the era of prohibition, and doctors were used to seeing alcohol poisoning due to people drinking bootlegged whiskeys and gin. Mm -hmm. The liquor was often distilled in containers that tainted the liquor with metals and other impurities. However, this was a large amount of deaths, even for prohibition. When the 18th Amendment was ratified, it banned the manufacturing, sale, and transportation of alcoholic beverages within the United States. Prohibition started in grassroots campaigns all over the country that were concerned with America's moral decay after World War I. Prohibition failed to stop many Americans from drinking, though. They just had to change where they got their booze from. Right. Can't go to the grocery store. So you gotta go find your neighbor, Uncle Cousin, Jim Bob, who's got the hookup on some sweet hooch. Exactly. (laughs) Gangs and mobs quickly grew into empires that were built on bootlegging and operating speakeasies. Most of the illegal liquor was made using a small still to ferment the mash, which was made from corn sugar, fruit, beets, or potato peels, which made around 200 proof alcohol. Which is like... (laughs) 100% 100% alcohol. Yeah. It's all alcohol. Almost. Glycerin and juniper oil were then added to take some of the edge off the taste. <laughs> the alcohol still needed oh, to be... Oh, glycerin? You mean the stuff that they put in dynamite, right? <laughs> TNT? Yeah. Same stuff. <laughs> Jeez. The alcohol still needed to be watered down, though, because it's 200 proof. Yeah. But most of the bottles were too big to fit under the kitchen sink, so many used their bathtub, and the alcohol began to be called bathtub gin. Jeez. It still tasted awful. Yeah. So, <laughs> speakeasy bartenders would mix it with bitters, soda, juice, and or fruit to try to mask the taste. Bitters? Does that look like old-fashioned? Yeah. <laughs> so, they said, you know, like, mixers had been used before Prohibition, but, mm-hmm. like, they were, like, really a thing during mm-hmm. Prohibition. Mm-hmm. People weren't just, like, taking, like, yeah. weren't just taking shots of, or, like, alcohol in the rocks. Like, you mm-hmm. needed to mix it with something. Yeah. It was gross. Yeah. No more drinking... Drinking whiskey, gut whiskey out of a bottle. Right. Grocery and hardware stores would sell whatever you needed to create your own home distillery, from small gallon stills to bottles, malt syrup, corn sugar, hops, yeast, and bottle cappers. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think pretty much the same today, with the exception of the ingredients to actually make the alcohol. You can buy most of the things you need from... Your local hardware store. Right. But these, they, Not that we're condoning the... It is a fun... Ho- it's actually a hobby. You really, it's a got, in, hobby. You really got into homebrewing there yeah. for a while. Yeah. yeah. It was really fun. Yeah. I still have a bunch of my staff. I still want to do it. It's just... Finding the time. Yeah. School yeah. and work and everything else. Yeah. So... Back then, though, you could buy all of your stuff basically from your grocery store. All of the ingredients, too. <laughs> they basically had an aisle that was just, like, all the things you need, but they couldn't really right. advertise it like that. Yeah, it was called the not-alcohol aisle. <laughs> yeah. That's what the sign said above it. What, what, do you, what do you always call it when you we give uh, Henry something that's not, like, the way we eat it? Oh, deconstructed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> deconstructed alcohol. <laughs> Americans were also brewing a lot of their own beer, mm-hmm. on top of alcohol, about 700 million gallons a year. Jeez. There were those that were also smuggling in liquor across the Canadian border and importing it from Great Britain and Mexico. Mm. Small operation stills could easily produce alcohol, though, 
um, that we talked about that was tainted mm-hmm. with metal or other impurities that made yeah. people really sick after yeah. drinking it. Yeah. And this Blood is pain. where, like, alcohol poisoning, it's not necessarily, like, from drinking too much. It's from drinking, like, back then in Prohibition days, it was from drinking all of, like, the impurities mm-hmm. that were making you sick. The impurities are, yeah. However, the deaths and hospitalizations that occurred during Christmas 1926 seemed much more sinister than your run-of-the-mill bathtub gin alcohol poisoning. (laughs) Charles Norris, the chief medical examiner of New York City, was suspicious that the United States government had something to do with these deaths and issued a public statement that read, The government knows it is not stopping drinking by putting poison in alcohol. It knows what the bootleggers are doing with it, and yet it continues its poisoning processes, heedless of the fact that people determined to drink are daily absorbing that poison. Knowing this to be true, the United States government must be charged with a moral responsibility for the deaths that poison liquor causes, although it cannot be held legally responsible. What? So, you could be like... It's a government conspiracy theory? Yeah. And prohibition? Right. Oh my gosh, probably one of my favorite episodes now. So, the next day, the federal Mm -hmm. government, instead of saying, you're crazy, they responded to the public statement by having the Treasury Department announce that denatured alcohol would become more poisonous going forward. Denatured alcohol is industrial grain alcohol that has been made to be undrinkable by adding certain chemicals that would add a terrible smell, taste, or adverse side effects. So, if you need alcohol that's used in cleaning products, paints... Cosmetics, gasoline, scientific research purposes, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's industrial grain alcohol. It's not illegal, mm-hmm. but it, they did make it denatured, which means supposed to be undrinkable. Mm-hmm. Now, boy, with, these hillbillies showed them wrong. Huh? With bootleggers <laughs> making liquor all across the country in their they basements. Use that term of endearingly. Yes. So, with bootleggers making liquor all across the country in their basements, attics, barns, wherever. The Prohibition Bureau had a hard time enforcing Prohibition. Between 1921 and 1925, the Bureau seized around 700,000 stills across the country. But that didn't even begin to put a dent in the illegal alcohol industry. Mm-hmm. It was estimated that alcoholism increased... That was the decoy distilleries. Right? <laughs> it was estimated that alcoholism actually increased more than 300% during Prohibition. Yeah. With most of the alcohol being consumed in the United States coming from stolen industrial alcohol, the federal government required that manufacturers denature the alcohol or pay liquor taxes. Hmm. However, bootleggers were able to hire scientists, so they hired their own chemists, that figured out how to neutralize the That's like underground pseudo-government entity. They're like, don't worry, we're on it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So the chemists hired by the bootleggers, then figured out how to neutralize the denaturing additives and make the alcohol safe to drink. Right. So then they're able to buy cheap alcohol and sell it. Uh, yes. Even more processed alcohol. Yes. Like, it was, it was like alcohol, then it had a bunch of stuff put in it, and then it was process like, reprocessed yeah, to like take all of that crap yeah. out of it or, like, neutralize the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, Formula 39B was a denaturing additive in perfume and cosmetics that was not very dangerous and was easily renatured, mm. like they call it, by the bootleggers' chemists. However, heavy-duty industrial denaturing additives like methyl alcohol were harder to remove. The bootleggers chemists, though, claimed to have found a process that caused the methyl alcohol to precipitate to the bottom of the alcohol's container and then be filtered out. 
The resulting alcohol was still more poisonous than regular alcohol, but not enough to make you drop dead where you were standing, like what hmm. was happening to people in New York City on Christmas. Hmm. Advocates for prohibition were becoming increasingly agitated that the bootleggers were able to get by their denaturing hurdles. <laughs> like they keep figuring it out. How dare you, you <laughs> genius devil. These meddling bootleggers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So it was decided that alcohol should be made so poisonous that it wouldn't be worth it for the bootleggers chemist to find a way to make it safe. Hmm. It was authorized for up to 10% of the total product to be denaturing agent. Jeez. And if alcohol was extremely poisonous, their thought process was then even the worst alcohol would have to give it up. If you know anything about alcoholics, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Federal chemists, so now it's federal chemists, against bootlegger chemists. Mm -hmm. So federal chemists began to add much higher doses of methyl alcohol Boo. to the industrial alcohol along with benzene, kerosene, and brucine, which is a plant alkaloid that is very similar to strychnine. Or like rat poison. An enemy has been slain. <laughs> By the year 1926, federal chemists had... That's a better one. Is it? Yeah, that's a better one from your soundboard. By the year 1926, federal chemists had developed 10 new formulas to add to industrial grain alcohol that would poison drinkers bad enough to deter all drinking of alcohol, or so they thought. Yeah. Nope, not gonna happen. Bootlegging chemists were able to renature some of the formulas, except for formulas 1 and 5, that contained high amounts of methyl or, also known as wood alcohol. If ingested... Wood alcohol can cause nerve damage, blindness, and or death. Bootleggers still had their chemists try to remove the additive, but they were never able to get it all removed, especially in alcohols with higher concentrations. Alcohol with even trace amounts of wood alcohol in it began to be known as rot gut liquor and yeah. began severely poisoning thousands of speakeasy customers. These sons of guns. Pathologists and chemists working in the New York City Medical Examiner's Office saw the government's purposeful poisoning of its citizens as an act of betrayal. They met with the New York press to get articles printed on the lives taken by the poison alcohol in order to create outrage. Because the more elite and expensive speakeasies could afford higher quality alcohol from the black market, it was often the poor that were given the tainted alcohol to drink. Right. The medical examiner's office didn't want these lives to be seen as less important and forgotten. Just because they're poor and... Right. They can't afford the especially reprocessed, denatured, renatured, and denatured and then renatured alcohol. Yeah, or like, even alcohol that's been imported from Canada right. or... Yeah. Yeah, they're no, you know, they're not doing anything worse than or the Or because rich they, couldn't afford, they couldn't afford the prescription from their doctor where right. they could get the... Exactly. Because yeah, that was a thing too, right? Yeah, yeah, because like, like pharmacists could prescribe alcohol, right. and so they often did yeah. illegally. Right. Yeah, for a fee, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. New York newspapers ran articles with statistics that claimed 1,200 New York City citizens had either been severely sickened or blinded or both by drinking industrial alcohol, and another 400 had died from drinking it. <laughs> More people were dying from poison alcohol than those that died from just plain old alcohol poisoning before prohibition. Right. 
The mayor of New York City, Jimmy Walker. Like your solution to the problem has not solved the problem. Right. The mayor of New York City, Jimmy Walker, was livid and said, If I had a club, I would hit on the head myself any man who sold poison liquor, and I would not wait for a policeman. He wanted a report that accurately portrayed how many deaths had been caused by poisoned alcohol. When the report came out in February, it was found that in one hospital in New York City, 716 people had been treated for hallucinations, blindness, and paralysis, all due to poisoned alcohol. 61 of those patients died. The report predicted that 700 New York City residents would be dead from poison alcohol at the end of 1927. And then, just to clarify, we're just, this is just New York City alone. This is just New York City. Yeah. This this is is not. Including literally the other. The rest of the country. Yeah. The poison alcohol was then analyzed and found to contain not only wood alcohol, but formaldehyde chloroform, Hmm. acetone, carbolic acid, Hmm. among other additives. Sounds like what I put in my daily and morning Long Island. (laughs) Your your green smoothie? Yeah. My little matcha tea and... Yeah. A little bit of carbolic acid, a little bit of chloroform, gets me through the day. Yeah, you know. That's what what I like to sit in the hot tub, get a nice soak in the hot tub and drink my morning smoothie. Yeah. Elixir of life. They're literally just throwing, they're like, this would be bad for somebody. And yeah. they like, literally just put it in there. <laughs> yeah. Did I tell you about my science experiment when I was, like, middle school? I don't think so. So we were at a friend's house, and he had, like, this little kit, like, chemist kit, right? Mm-hmm. Allegedly everything's safe for children. So I start mixing. Just, just start mixing whatever. stuff together. Because I'm like, I want to see what, what I can make this stuff do. I don't know what any of it is, but... So, literally, you just start mixing stuff, and all of a sudden, the can- container that I'm mixing everything in starts, like, just disintegrating. And my friend's like, oh, this isn't good. So, he, like, goes and gets his dad, and it's, like, just eating away at this little plastic Great. set. He's like, huh, well, well, this isn't good. Like, what What did you do? And I was like, I don't know. I just started mixing stuff. <laughs> It's like the government. Oh, I don't know. We just started putting just, stuff in it. Just throw know? it in. Just throw yeah, it in. Yeah. Whatever happens, it's, happens. Can't be good, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. Like, I mean, when, when well, the other side is literally hiring chem- hiring chemists that are like, no, no, like this is how we. This is how we. This is like the neutralize it. Yeah, and, the and, specific process you have yeah, to take, and yeah. these guys are like, just throw whatever in. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. Is that bad for a person to drink? Then put it in there. Yeah. After reading the report, many were quick to denounce Prohibition as a failure, killing more people than it saved. Mm. The New York World newspaper read, The 18th is the only amendment which carries the death penalty. The Evening World newspaper portrayed the federal government as a mass poisoner and said that no administration had been more successful in undermining the health of its own people. U.S. Senator James Reed from Missouri said only one possessing the instincts of a wild beast would desire to kill or make blind the man who takes a drink of liquor, even if he purchased it from one violating the prohibition statutes. So, yeah. So, like, is it a good law mm-hmm. if you're killing more people than you're saving? Right. I would argue no. Right. Like, does the ends, ends justify the mean, or means, right? As does the means justify the ends? <laughs> As people kept dying from poison alcohol, the deaths did little to stop people from drinking. Mm-hmm. You'd think that 
people dying from alcohol drinking poisoning would be like, oh, hey, maybe yeah. we shouldn't drink tonight. Yeah. But they're like, no, this stuff's not poison. Like, Right. Well, and also many believe that the prohibition pro-government was over-exaggerating the risks that came with imbibing and continued to just risk it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, are we supposed to trust the government that likes prohibition? Yeah. Sure. So now the government's telling them, no, we're like literally poisoning you. Don't drink it. And they're like, oh, yeah, if uh-huh. you... Uh-huh. You sure you are? Yeah, yeah. You're the one that made the statute. Now you're telling me you're poisoning me? Like, that can't be legal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't poison me. Yeah. <laughs> when you exactly. literally know it's it's being used. They're like, to no, serve we're totally to poisoning you. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> so it only took a quarter cup of wood alcohol mm. to be lethal for an adult man. Mm. So you have enough drinks. Yeah. You're done for. Yeah, if it's ten percent of whatever you're drinking, you have ten percent of it, or <laughs> you have ten That's of not them. How That's not how mouth works. <laughs> It's not how it works. It's 100%. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? I I know what you're saying. Math math isn't quite there, but I know what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah. The concentration's high enough. If you have like a six-ounce glass, 10% of that is uh, the wood alcohol, methyl. Methyl alcohol, yeah. Yeah. That's like 0.6, right? 0.6 ounces. Yep. And you have 10 of those drinks in a night. You're dead. You're dead. You're dead. Like, you're not You're not seeing tomorrow. Like. Yeah. The initial drink of poison alcohol and non-poison alcohol seemed very similar at first. A very similar buzz. So the tainted alcohol didn't necessarily taste bad either. It all kind of mm. tasted the same by the time that it had the juniper in it and it was mixed with whatever mixer you prefer. Bitters and yeah. egg whites. And cocaine-filled Coca-Cola. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about that, that too. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, the good old days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so your drink tastes very similar. You're getting a very similar buzz. However... If you have poisoned alcohol and about an hour or two after drinking it, you start to get hungover already. Mm. I hate that. Then your vision starts to blur due to formic acid salts causing the retina and optic nerve area to swell. Mm. The wood alcohol also causes the parietal cortex of your brain to swell, which okay, is so- responsible for processing your vision. So those all sounds like symptoms of me just having a good night. Like, right. Right. Well, so then like, you're not... Your eyes go blurry. So then you're not suspicious. And, yeah. Because you're just... Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I'm, I'm imbibing tonight. Right. I'm drinking. My vision's a little blurry. Nothing weird. So then you start to get a headache. Still not weird. Mm-hmm. Start to feel dizzy. Become very uncoordinated. And then you feel an uncontrollable urge to go to sleep. All things that you would think about or would Very happen to you for if a you were. Person. Yeah, exactly. Except when you go to sleep, you have a very high chance of slipping into a coma or being paralyzed, Jeez. which will then probably okay. lead to your death. Jeez. Because you're like, oh, I'm just going to pass out. And all of your friends are like, okay, you're go hammered, go yeah, pass yeah, out, go and then off. you just go die. Yeah. Never to awake again. Jeez. Anti-prohibition legislators introduced a bill that would halt the increased poisoning of industrial alcohol. Literally, they're like, just don't make it more poisonous than it just is. 
Oh, good, because we needed a bill to tell the government that. Yeah. However, the bill... Woodrow Wilson. This was... Warren G. Harding. This was uh, Calvin Coolidge by this time. Calvin Coolidge. Yeah, I guess we're in the heart of the prohibition. Yeah. Yeah, Warren Harding. Or uh, Calvin Coolidge. Why can't you just, I don't know, write an executive order? Right. Well, he was pro-prohibition. That's what I'm... Well... So. so he's like, yeah, the deaths are warranted. They chose it. Yeah. Ugh, Calvin. So, yeah, so the bill fails due to, pro- due to prohibition <laughs> legislators. Due to prohibition legislators arguing that no one would be dead if they only obeyed the law. Which, like I said before, it's not a good wow, law. Wow, does that sound familiar? It's, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And in another where have way I of heard thinking this it, one before? it's like a seatbelt law where, huh. let's say, you're not wearing your seatbelt because the seatbelt's meant to save you. And then somebody just like comes and stabs you and been mm-hmm. like, well, if they're wearing their seatbelt, if they're only obeying the law, mm-hmm. they would have lived. Yeah. Like, sure, there's the chance that they'll get in a car wreck and die. Mm hmm. But also, maybe you shouldn't have just stabbed them in the chest. Like, that yeah. doesn't help anything. the report that had been published earlier in that year had been right and around 700 new york citizens died in 1927 from alcohol poisoning it's hard to get numbers from around like the rest of the country because new york was like really one of the only ones that was looking at this Mm -hmm. was looking into it and was you know recording how many people were dying from the poison alcohol yeah However, the poisoning of alcohol just stopped being talked about in newspapers and among legislators in Washington, D.C. Why would just, the media do that? Wow. Just, they were just like, oh, well, people are going to die. Guess that's the way life is now. Despite the vocal acknowledgement of the poisoning being, you know, happening yeah. anymore, yeah. support for prohibition began to decrease at the end of the 1920s. When the Great Depression hit in 1932, liquor was one of the few industries that still provided jobs and money. That year, Franklin D. Roosevelt ran for president, and part of his platform was to repeal Prohibition. FDR easily won the presidential election over President Herbert Hoover, and in February of 1933, Congress adopted a resolution to propose the 21st Amendment to the Constitution, which repealed the 18th. The 21st Amendment was ratified in December of 1933 after Utah provided the 36th final needed vote for ratification, which was surprising to me Yeah, that Utah was like, yeah, get rid of a prohibition. They were probably like, we don't have a lot of people out here. Yeah. We need need people to dying. (laughs) Exactly. Some states continued to enforce their own prohibitions, but all prohibitions across the country had been repealed by 1966. What? It took till 1966? Yeah. So, and then once prohibition was repealed, then the federal government stopped trying to poison people. Mm -hmm. So that just kind of died off. Like, all right, we don't have to poison people anymore. At that point, it was states. Yeah. But I don't think they were poisoning people Uh either. That just kind of died off. Yeah. But some reports estimate that at least 10,000 people were killed from drinking poison alcohol. With some reports estimating around 50,000 people dying from it. Which is a crazy amount of people to think about because we're not, we weren't, you gotta realize like our population growth in the U.S. is 
you know, 50,000 people back then was that a lot too. more than it is today. And then you just think about the federal government just murdering 50,000 people, yeah. 50,000 of its own citizens. Yeah. Just because they weren't following all the rules. Yes. That's her fault. They didn't, they didn't follow the rules. Yeah. No, because you actively sought to poison them. It's like one thing if people die of, like, alcohol poisoning because, well, they literally just got alcohol poisoning versus they got alcohol poisoning because the government interfered. Right, like real poisoning. <laughs> Not even just, they call it alcohol poisoning. I'm calling it alcohol poisoning because they got poisoned from drinking the alcohol. But it's just, like, straight up poisoning. <laughs> like, they just straight up poison them. Yes. Jeez. That's crazy. It's not like your run-of-the-mill college party where your friend thinks, like, got drunk for the first time in their life, yeah. thinks they're, like, too hammered and asks you to call the ambulance. Yes. No, this is, like, real poisoning. My sources for this story are The Chemist Warm by Deborah Blum, The U.S. Government Once Poisoned Alcohol to Get People to Stop Drinking by German Lopez, and The Poisoner's Handbook, Murder and the Birth of Forensic Medicine in Jazz Age New York. If there's one thing government, especially the U.S. government, should ever learn, it's that we Americans don't like being told what to do and what not to do with our lives, That's right? true. <laughs> and my approach to laws is if it only hurts the person that, like, it's is partaking in this activity, yeah. then it shouldn't, we shouldn't have a law against it. Yeah. If somebody wants to drink and they want to hurt themselves, that should be their choice. Because when you make things legal like this, yeah. then it's much easier for them to get help. I'm not saying that you should do it. Right. I don't want anybody in my family to be an alcoholic or anybody that I know. Because mm -hmm. I think that's really sad. Mm -hmm. I don't want anybody that I know to become a drug addict mm -hmm. or whatever else. But I believe that the government shouldn't be like, hey, we don't like this. And There's but other ways to, to, to achieve. Yeah. And I believe that's more offering help because people are going to drink alcohol if they want to. Mm -hmm. They're going to do drugs if they want to. Mm -hmm. Making it legal doesn't stop these people. They're going to get married. It stops them from getting help. And it also usually like we've seen with the... Um, opioid crisis and yeah. the heroin epidemic with people getting like fentanyl because that's cheaper and then mm -hmm. they're dying. Mm -hmm. Like that's because it's illegal. Mm -hmm. And if we just make it easier for people to get help, mm -hmm. then I believe we could, we'd have much better results right. in this country. Yeah. No, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, like, it's, it's, there's a difference between legalization and versus decriminalization. Right. You know. I agree. Right? Yes. And I'm more on the decriminali decriminalization. Right. It's like, okay, government, quit wasting time and resources trying to combat this right. directly by literally poisoning people and yeah. causing the deaths. Or throwing people in prisons or any of that. Use our resources on things that actually help. Right. Anyways. Do you want to find out which U.S. president was the first to see the Pacific Ocean? I do. It was Ulysses S. Grant. Oh, so gosh you're dang right. it. I was Post Civil just, War. I was just going to say it was Grant, wasn't it? <laughs> 
he saw the Pacific Ocean in 1852. Was that was that after the creation of the railroad? I don't know. Oh. I believe so. That's what I assumed. The Transcontinental Railroad. It. Lee. Grant. Okay, I thought you said Lee for a second. Do we have like, a president, Lee? No. <laughs> Jeremy. Between 1863 and 1869. Hmm. So he saw it before. Saw it before. <clears throat> it is kind of crazy to me to think that it took that long for one of our presidents to see that side of the country. <laughs> this, right? Because, well, they the, had, I mean, they had pictures. Well, the Louisiana Purchase, which the Louisiana Purchase, which didn't go all the way to the Pacific Ocean. Right. But that ha- that happened with Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. They did. Yes. Dang. That was way too late. Hmm. It's a great one. I loved it. Now, we're going to be watching the vice presidential debate tomorrow night. Oh, I was going to say we should pre-record some 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 thoughts or sayings, like uh, predicting outcomes, like, oh my gosh, that was nuts. Or, wow, that couldn't have been more dull. <laughs> How very presidential of them to not get so combative and verbally abusive to each other. I'm only interested... <laughs> As vice presidents, they're more presidential than... <laughs> I'm only interested to see how uncomfortable Mike Pence is arguing with a woman. <laughs> Why do you say that? Well, if you listen to episode four, Mike Pence, that mm-hmm. we did on him... He refuses to be in a room alone with a woman. He refuses to be at any parties with women where alcohol is. He has a lot of rules about being with women. Mm-hmm. I believe he's very uncomfortable with women. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see. Oh, and he also believes that the movie, the Disney movie Mulan, was propaganda to get women into the military. So it worked. Apparently, it works because guess what? Disney, Disney's five propaganda years ago, once again. Or four years ago, I don't remember exact year. The army is finally allowing women into combat arms roles. Yep. My gosh. How dare they? So, we'll see. He said, rolling his eyes. <laughs> if, whatever thoughts you have on the VB debate, I'm sure we'll be sharing ours, but you can... Share your thoughts with us on Mm -hmm. any of our social media platforms, which is Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yeah. Let us know what you think about it, about the VP debates, about this episode. Any feedback. We want to hear from you. We love it. Yep. We hope that you guys stay safe. Stay healthy. And until next time, stay weird, America. Sorry, I burped. (laughs) And until next time, stay Stay weird, weird, America. America.